Is this frequency in use? Welcome to Southgate Vibes, a selection of the latest stories direct from Southgate Amateur Radio News. I'm Steve Richards, Golf 4 Hotel Papa Echo, and in this podcast, you're going to hear my personal picks of what is happening in amateur radio and the wider world of communications. Whether you're just starting out in ham radio or an experienced operator spinning around the spectrum for those rare and sometimes strange signals, I hope you'll find something to entertain you here. Welcome to Southgate Vibes. Hello, thanks for stopping by. And here we go with podcast number 14. Ofcom, the UK regulator, has published another consultation document. This one is future-looking and wide-ranging and starts to address new ways in which the spectrum will need to be used to meet the modern requirements of its many users. Anyone can have an input to the process, and that includes you. So, have a listen to some of the ideas that Ofcom are proposing. The UK communications regulator, Ofcom, is holding a public consultation on their spectrum management strategy for the 2020s. Amateur Radio is mentioned in Table 3 of the consultation document as one of the examples of sectors and wireless applications with specialised requirements. Ofcom said that the UK's airwaves, the spectrum, are essential to enable the wireless services people and business use every day, from mobile phones to automated machinery, high-tech factories and the systems that keep us safe as we travel and go about our daily lives. To support innovation... Ofcom wanted to make it easier for organisations to access the spectrum they need for new and exciting uses. For example, this could include remote healthcare applications to support people taking medication and, in the future, 3D holograms. Ofcom announced the publication of its Spectrum Management Strategy, setting out their long-term vision for how they propose to manage spectrum in the future. To deliver this vision, they're proposing action in three main areas. Firstly, supporting wireless innovation. Ofcom plans to bolster its outreach work to help organisations looking at how they could improve the way they work by using Spectrum for wireless services. Ofcom also proposes to free up more Spectrum for pioneers, for people to develop new technologies and uses, for example, providing instant wireless connections between machinery. This follows Ofcom's decision to release 18.2 GHz of extremely high-frequency spectrum to help spur innovation. Secondly, licensing tailored to local and national needs. Ofcom says it wants to help a wider range of organisations access spectrum to get wireless services off the ground by considering new options for localised spectrum access. Local access licences allow organisations and services that don't need spectrum across the whole UK, such as factories, airports and remote farms, to be able to get the airwaves they need to use wireless technology. And thirdly, promoting spectrum sharing. Last summer, Ofcom opened up the airwaves, launching their spectrum sharing framework, which meant organisations could access spectrum that either wasn't being used or could be shared between multiple users. 
Ofcom says it wants to further encourage sharing in higher frequency bands and also introduce new sharing tools. Ofcom also wants to ensure systems protect themselves against the risk of undue interference by taking action to fit more users in and encouraging them to improve the systems they sell. Ofcom invites comments on its proposals by 5pm on the 26th of February 2021. You can view the whole consultation document by going to www.ofcom.org.uk and navigating to the Consultations and Statements section of the website. You're listening to Southgate Vibes with me, Steve, G4 Hotel Papa Echo. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a comment or a question, pop us over an email. Our address is vibes at southgatearc.org. That's vibes at southgatearc.org. You never know, we might feature your message in a future edition. Well, meanwhile, on the other side of the globe, Australian amateurs have been dealt a blow in their efforts to gain access to a band at 60 metres. Following the withdrawal of 60 metres access in New Zealand recently, our Antipodean radio friends are not having a good time of it. Here's the report. Glenn, Victor Kilo 4, Delta Uniform, President of the Radio Amateur Society of Australia, advises that national efforts to gain secondary access to the 60-metre band have been unsuccessful. On the 7th of December 2020, the Australian regulator ACMA released their decision. They said that submissions opposing amateur use of the band were received from the Department of Defence and two others. Defence's submission did not support an allocation, on the basis that the frequency band is already experiencing spectrum congestion, which adversely affects critical defence capabilities. Therefore, Defence cannot accept a further increase in spectrum congestion by the introduction of amateur services. The Department of Defence also provided non-public information to the ACMA to further support their position. The regulator said that in considering spectrum use, the ACMA considers the objects of the Radio Communications Act 1992. This includes maximising the overall public benefit derived from the use of the radio spectrum, and of particular importance in this matter, given defence usage, is making adequate provision for use by agencies involved in the defence or national security of Australia. In balancing the existing uses of the band 5351.5 to 5366.5 kHz against the impacts of introducing use by the amateur service, the ACMA said that they had decided not to support amateur use in the band. Glenn, Victor Kilo 4 Delta Uniform, said that in summary, defence interests trumped secondary access by the amateur radio sector. Great celebration now, as we acknowledge the 99th anniversary of the first shortwave transmissions to make it across the pond from the USA to Scotland. If the plans for the 99th festivities are anything to go by, then the 100th will be really big. What I loved about this story is the almost throwaway mention of some of the biggest names in the invention and development of radio. One of my personal favourites is Harold Beveridge, who designed the antenna which still bears his name to this day. Very long and very low wires that were capable of receiving the weakest signals whilst rejecting unwanted noise. 
<laughs> Beveridge could hardly have known that today's radio users are in desperate need of respite from appalling noise pollution of the airwaves. Mind you, for an effective beverage, you need hundreds of metres of space to put up your wire or be very nice to your neighbours. On December the 11th, 1921, radio history was made when the signal from amateur station 1 Bravo Charlie Golf in Greenwich, Connecticut, was heard in Ardrossan, Scotland, marking the first successful transmission of any radio signal across the Atlantic using shortwave frequencies. The event, known as the Transatlantic Tests, was organised by the ARRL, the American National Society, to prove that shortwave frequencies could propagate long distances using transmitters running less than one kilowatt. Paul Godley, two Zulu Echo considered to be the best of the US operators, was sent across to Europe to listen for the participating stations. His nine-tube receiver used the latest superheterodyne technology, which he modified for these frequencies. On his ocean journey to England, Godley coincidentally met Harold Beveridge, who convinced him to use a specially designed 1,300-foot antenna, referred to during that event as the highly sensitive and directional Beveridge antenna. During a pre-event dinner arranged for him by his British hosts, Godley met Guillermo Marconi, founder of radio, who asked him to remind the US amateurs that he too was an amateur. Over the course of the test period, more than two dozen stations were heard, both utilising Spark and Vacuum Tube CW, that's Morse code, but the one that was received the most consistently was operated by six members of the Radio Club of America, Ernest Amy, 2 Victor Kilo, Edwin Armstrong, George Berghard, 2 Sierra Sierra, Minton Crockheit, 1 Bravo Charlie Golf, John Grinnan, November Juliet, 2 Papa Zulu, and Walker Inman, 2 Bravo Golf Mike. Their station, 1 Bravo Charlie Golf, sent the following message, recorded as the first ever transatlantic message sent on shortwave, at 2152 GMT on December the 11th, 1921. The message reads, Number 1 from 1 Bravo Charlie Golf, words 12, New York, date 11th December 1921. To Paul Godley, Ardrossan, Scotland, hearty congratulations from Burkhardt, Inman, Grinnan, Armstrong, Amy and Cronkite. You can read more about this at www.internetwork.com forward slash radio forward slash November 1 Bravo Charlie Golf. I'll just give you that one again. www.internetwork.com forward slash radio forward slash November 1 Bravo Charlie Golf. These pages contain some fascinating information with lots of photographs of the operation and even includes the designs for some of the equipment and the antenna used at One Bravo Charlie Golf. Well, that's it for this time. You've been listening to Southgate Vibes, stories about amateur radio and the world of communications from Southgate Amateur Radio News. You can find these stories and many more daily reports at our website, southgatearc.org. Don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch by sending an email to vibes at southgatearc.org. So until next time, this is Steve Richards, G4 Hotel Papa Echo, signing off and wishing you best 7-3.